0: What is up, Second Chance Church? For the first time in our history, we actually have people in the room. Can, can y'all make a little bit of noise? Yep. yep. Okay, that's about as rowdy as it's gonna get because they're all former Baptists. So, but it's, <laughs> we've got people in the room and we got people, as I can see, join, joining in online right now. So I wanna welcome everybody. Thank you for joining Second Chance Church. And two things real quick before we dive in. Second Chance Church, has a Facebook site and you can go there. It's facebook.com slash my second chance church, Facebook.com slash my second chance church, and you can get study notes from this message or any message we've ever done, but this message in particular, right after we get done today. So my sec or Facebook.com slash my second chance church. And second of all, I want to thank everybody that's been giving to Second Chance Church because you guys have been so faithful and you're giving, next week we're actually going to be able to expand the digital platform that we have. We've got several other platforms that we're going to be able to broadcast from next week. And I'll be telling you more about that on the Second Chance website as we dive in. So, today, the title of today's message is Don't Give Up. All of us watching here today, or in the room, at some point in our lives... Have thought about giving up. Now, I make no apologies for this. I want to get this out there so everybody understands right now. I am a Clemson fan. And I'm a Clemson fan by the grace of God. Jesus loves me so much that I I was a Clemson fan from the day I was born. Now, some of you aren't Clemson fans, and that's okay. Everybody's got their cross to bear. Now, I've had people say, you can't say you're a Clemson fan if you're a preacher. But those are usually Carolina fans. And I understand if you're upset at me because I'm talking about I'm a Clemson fan. But as a Clemson fan, between the years, and I wrote this down, between the years of 2009 to 2013, it was tough. It was tough to be a Clemson fan for one reason and one reason alone. For five years in a row, South Carolina beat us. Now we had better teams. I think we had better teams. We had better results. we went to bowl games, we were ranked higher, but for five years in a row and as a Clemson fan, you can go 0 and11, 0 and 10 and beat South Carolina and the season's okay. You could You could lose two or three games you can lose as long as you beat South Carolina. And during that, during that time, during that stretch, I actually had Clemson fans tell me, you know what I'm going to stop going to games. I'm going to stop going to games. By year four, I was like, I think I'm going to stop going to games. By year five, there were people actually wanting to fire Dabo, even though he was getting us to a bowl game, even though we were winning. Even, it, it was brutal. There was, there was, I, I wanted to give up. Other people wanted to give up. But finally, in the year 2014, we broke the streak. We destroyed the Gamecocks. We've been doing it ever since. we won a national championship. And South Carolina, even though they never played in a national championship in football, they've got to watch one on television. So, so all, of us, all of us know what it's like to want to give up on certain things. And there are people here watching today that you've thought about giving up on people. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you look at what they're doing or what they're struggling with, and you've thought about giving up on them. Or maybe, maybe you're watching today and you've thought about giving up on church because at the end of the day, churches are full of hypocrites. I hear that, you hear that, we all hear that. Or maybe you've thought about giving up on God because you're going through something and it's really tough, it's really difficult, and you feel like if God really loved you or if he really cared for you, that he would have done something for you by now. And so because you felt like giving up on other people, because you felt like giving up on church, or because you felt like giving up on God, I believe this message is for you today because maybe you have thought about giving up on God. But the very fact that you're watching this talk right now is proof that God hasn't given up on you. So with that in mind, I want you to get a Bible and go to Luke 13. Luke 13 is where we're going to hang out. Um, There's four accounts of the life of Jesus. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospel of Luke, this is what I love. The Gospel of Luke was written by a guy named Luke for one person named Theopolis. And isn't it funny how Luke thought he was writing the Gospel for one person, but it wound up affecting millions of people. And sometimes, this is just a side note, a little rabbit trail, sometimes what we do for the Lord, we think it's for somebody, but it's going to wind up serving a lot of bodies. So Luke chapter 13 this is what the Bible says. We're going to start reading in verse 10. Ten. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Now, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is huge. I know that's just one verse, but we've we got we to gotta pull something out of this before we go to the next one. On a Sabbath, Jesus was in a synagogue. In fact, as we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, we often see Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And Jesus being in the synagogue on the Sabbath is a foreshadowing of the fact that you and I really do need to be involved in church. Even though the synagogue, don't miss this, the synagogue was full of messed up, jacked up people. Jesus didn't say, they're not perfect. I'm not gonna go hang out with them. We see Jesus right in the middle of the synagogue with sinful people, With religious people, with diseased people, as we're about to see, Jesus is right there. And the reason I want to make that point is because God's plan for the world is the local church. I I still hear people say this, and it and it doesn't make me mad. It just hurts my heart, and honestly, it bothers me a little. Well, it's just me and Jesus. All I need is me and Jesus. All I need is me and Jesus. Well, if all we needed was us and Jesus, then why in the world did he say, I will build my church? Why? Because he knew that you and I needed this thing called community. So we see Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, it says this in verse 11. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Now underline that, circle that, highlight that, double tap that, whatever you got to do to that to, to highlight the fact, 18 years. A woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. I was coming home uh, last week on from a dinner date with Karis, my daughter, and we had just been... To the Waffle House. And I want to pause real quick because I've had a lot of people ask, why do you always take her to the Waffle House? You're setting the standard really low for guys in the future um, who want to date her. Well, first of all, she's not going to date. Um, But second of all, I'm just excited that Karis is the very first woman on the planet that actually knows where she wants to go eat when you ask her. If you ask Karis where you want to go eat, she wants to go to the Waffle House. You ask most women where they want to go eat. Where do they say? It don't matter. It don't matter, and then you go, oh well, let's go here. No, no, I don't want to go there. Let's go here. No, 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 I don't want to go here. Where do you want? To? It don't matter. Okay, would you make up your freaking mind? So anyway, Karis <laughs> wants to go to the Waffle House. She gets the same thing every time. So it's oh, great. So we're coming home, and we're talking about her, we're talking about some sort of pain, like she had hurt her ankle or something. And she said, Daddy, what's the greatest amount of physical pain you've ever been in? And I had to I had to think for a minute because I've done some stupid stuff in my life, and I've I've Hurt. I've gotten hurt, but I remember in 2006 I tried to run a marathon. Notice I have emphasis on the word try. I tried to run a marathon, and as I'm running this stupid thing, um, I completely dehydrated and passed out on the side of the road at mile 22.6, less than four miles away. And they they took me to the medical tent. And as I'm laying in the medical tent on both legs, my quad, my hamstring my calf and my foot all cramped at the same time on both legs. Now the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so there was obviously some not good stuff in my heart because of what my mouth was speaking. But that was some of the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And all, everybody watching, you've probably twisted your ankle, broke your finger. I broke my small toe one time, my, my pinky toe and they can't reset that thing. It, it just hurts. But with that in mind, I want us to think about this woman that we saw in the story. Let's go back. How long had she been in pain? 18 years. This is not cramping in a medical tent. Because see, that once they hooked me up to an IV, I was fine. This wasn't losing to South Carolina for five years in a row. That was brutal. This is for 18 years. And there's some people watching today, tuning in online. Maybe you're in physical pain and it just seems like it's never gonna go away. Or maybe you're dealing with some emotional pain. You deal with depression, or you deal with anxiety. Or maybe you're in some spiritual pain, and it just seems like it's not gonna go away. And this woman had been in pain for 18 years. Can you imagine, for just a second, let's, let's just imagine how brutal life was for this woman. We don't know her name, and we don't really know her story, but because of what Luke tells us in the text, there apparently was a time when she was okay, when life was good, where she could walk straight, where she was was fine, and then something happened, and we don't know what happened. We don't know what happened to this woman, but it caused her to be bent over, and she could not straighten up And she was in pain. And back during this season, they believed in this thing called karma. We have progressed so much in 2,000 years. But they believed in this thing called karma. So if something bad was going on in your life, it's because of something bad that you had done. And so when this woman was walking around in the synagogue, she walked in and it was like, oh, there's the woman that did that. And isn't it funny how many times in church... We label people by what they did rather than who they are in Christ. Oh, that's the girl that got pregnant when she was a teenager. Oh, that's the drug addict. Oh, that's the divorced person. Oh, that's the alcoholic. Oh, that's the depressed person. We will label people because of what they did rather than who they are in Christ. Religious people always, always, always carry label makers. So they can label people. That's why this series is called Losing My Religion. So she goes in the synagogue. And what's amazing to me is even though she's bent over, even though she's crippled, even though she's diseased, she still walked into the synagogue, which is huge. It's symbolic because it's evidence that this woman had not given up on God. This woman, it would have been easier for her to stay at home. It would have been easy for her to say, God has forgotten me. It would have been easier for her to say, forget God because he's forgotten me. But no, we see her walking into the synagogue even after 18 years. Why is 18 years so significant? And I just want to drill down on this for just a second. Healing takes time. Healing takes time. One of the things I've discovered in church world is somebody will walk in with a problem, like a legitimate problem, like a pornography addiction, like, or any addiction, or any problem, and we want to pray a prayer with them, rubber stamp a Bible verse on their head, and we want them better immediately. Never thinking for a second that if they've walked in some sort of addictive behavior for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, It might take 5, 10, 15, or 20 years to see them get well. Do I believe that Jesus can heal on the spot? Absolutely. Absolutely I believe that. But what we see in this story is this woman had been crippled for 18 years. As followers of Christ, we can't look at people, smack them on the head, and tell them to stop it and expect things to be better immediately. What? what would it look like? What would it look like to create an environment where people could walk in as they are rather than having to pretend to be what everybody else expects them to be? What it, what would it look like? Don't get me wrong, I don't want an environment that enables people, "Hey, you're doing that fine. Keep on doing that." I'm I'm not looking to create a church that enables people I want, to, I want to start a church. In fact, I am starting a church. We're starting a church where we're going to walk with people through their mess even if it takes them 18 years to find healing. That's what scripture says right here. I was in a conversation with a pastor recently and he was talking to me about somebody, good man, good pastor, good ministry. He's talking to me about somebody he was frustrated with in his church and he asked me this question. He said, how patient, I mean, I'm, I, they're, they're continually doing this destructive behavior. They're continually diving into this. How patient should I be with them? And, and my response, I'd never thought about this. It just hit me in the moment, but now it's, it's a motto that I'm trying to live by. I told this guy, you should be as patient with that person as Jesus has been with you. Mm-hmm. And so if Jesus hasn't lost his patience on us and he truly lives in us, then we can't lose our patience with other people finding healing even if it takes 18 years. Now, that was good, but I'm going to keep going. Um, the Bible says this in Luke 13, 12. When Jesus saw her, I want to pause. If you're out there and you're hurting right now, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. The Bible says every hair on our head is numbered. He sees exactly what you're going through. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward. Now, this was an oh crap moment for this woman. And all of us have had an oh crap moment. Think about driving down the road and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and you see blue lights. Every one of us have had that feeling. It's an oh crap moment. And all of us knows what that feels like. Well, this woman thinks she's about to be called out and then kicked out. That she, Because she's bent over and she's not good. Something bad happened in her life. And obviously she hasn't repented because she's still bent over. She's still crippled. And so Jesus calls her out and everybody in the room is thinking, oh my gosh, she's been called out. Now she's going to be kicked out. And it's, and it's kind of crazy. So tensions are high. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, said to her, woman. He didn't even call her by her name. It's kind of weird. Woman. You are set free from your infirmity. I want to pause. I want to pause real quick. I want to pause real quick. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. This is, I just saw this this week when I was really reviewing this text. Jesus said, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. Listen to the next verse. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So Jesus said, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. And she's still bent over going, "Uh uh-uh. And the Bible says he put his hands on her. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Notice he pronounced her freedom before he provided her freedom. He pronounced her freedom and then he set her free. As followers of Christ, Jesus, we have promise after promise after promise in Scripture that we have freedom. Our freedom has been pronounced. He wants us to walk in freedom from lust. He wants us to walk in freedom from addictions. He wants us to walk in freedom from depression because those things are ultimately not good for us. But one of the things that we have to understand as followers of Christ is even though our freedom has been pronounced, sometimes it takes a season for that freedom to actually be provided. So what we want Jesus to do immediately He's actually going to do eventually. That's why we should not give up. Now, the other crazy thing here in this story is that he placed his hands on her. Now, he didn't have to do that. He could have spoken it, and she could have been healed immediately. But Jesus places his hands on her. Now, we're a sanitized culture. I remember the first time somebody introduced hand sanitizer to me. I was like, what is this stuff? And it feels so good on your hands. I'm trying to figure out, can you take a bath in it? Um, Which, that's a visual image that many of you did not need to think of. So I just want to apologize for the visual people out there. But the thing that's amazing about this right here is it's a huge no-no in this society. Because Jesus was a rabbi. And number one, you did not touch sick people. And number two you did not touch women. So she was a sick woman, and then Jesus still touched her. Don't miss this. Jesus wasn't afraid of the mess. He didn't run from the mess. He stepped into it. And as a church, we're not going to be afraid of messy people. In fact, if you're not messy... You probably don't belong. Okay, yeah, I'll keep going. Luke 14, Luke, I mean, verse 14 says this. Indignant. Indignant. Now, I don't know if you've ever been mad, like really mad. Indignant is like really, really, really pissed off. That's what, that's what that probably means in the Greek. Indignant. And that happened to me this week. I got behind a woman, a driver, who stopped at a green light stopped at a green stopped at a green light to text someone and i know this because i was looking at her and she was texting and and i know she was texting because when i held down on my horn Uh, And I did. I did. I don't have any Jesus stickers on my car. When I held down on my horn, this chick, she's looking back at me, and she said something to me. And I said something. I was indignant. That's where we're going to leave the story, right there. (laughs) Somebody in this text got indignant. Let's see who gets mad. Watch this. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Remember last week? Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Remember the guy born blind? Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Now, as you're reading this story, you're scratching your head going, is this this guy missed the miracle? Don't miss this. Because religion is all about control. Jesus is all about relationships. Religion's all about control. Jesus is all about relationships. See, the synagogue ruler didn't have a problem with a woman being healed. Jesus just didn't do it right. And by the way, when you're making up rules for Jesus to follow, you've officially stepped into blasphemy, all right? I mean, that's officially a bad place to be when you're making up rules that Jesus needs to follow. It, look, look, because, because religious people, once again, it comes, to, it comes down to control. And so, like, if if you are living in a sin and it takes you weeks, months, maybe even years to repent of that sin and you turn back to Jesus, religious people can't celebrate your repentance if you didn't do it the way they thought it should be done. And so, one of the things that we've got to understand about Jesus is he's going to be patient with us. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Jesus healed a, um, a guy on the Sabbath in Mark chapter 3 verse 6 I'm just going to read this verse it'll be in the study notes on the Facebook site Mark chapter 3 verse 6 the Bible, Jesus healed a man with a shriveled hand Jesus called him forward just like this woman and healed him and this is what the Bible says in Mark chapter 3 verse 6 then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus now I want to make a point here Thou shalt not kill is in the top 10. Thou shalt not kill is in the top 10. So here's the point. Religious people aren't afraid to break God's commands when you break their commands. I'll say it again. Religious people aren't afraid to break God's commands when you break their commands. So they will gossip about you and slander you in the form of a prayer request when you don't do what they think should be done. So so that happened right here. Um, This guy's getting mad. He's going off. He's yelling at Jesus. Okay, gosh, you're yelling at Jesus. In verse 15, the Bible says, The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! And there's an exclamation point, so I think he yelled a little bit. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox? or or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water and everybody's kind of nodding their head yeah, well, yeah yeah we do that we do that then should not this woman a daughter of Abraham whom satan has kept bound for 18 long years Jesus acknowledged the fact Jesus acknowledged the fact that she had been in that pain for 18 years Jesus said she's been in this pain for 18 years Be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? In other words, shouldn't church be a a place we can walk in and we don't have to worry about something being discovered? We could actually be who we are and be set free from what holds us back? I think the church would actually become more beautiful if it was a place where we could be fully known and fully loved at the same time. Because most people believe if I'm fully known, I can't be fully loved. And if I'm fully loved, it's because I'm not fully known. But Jesus says this woman should have been set free from what bound her. And verse 17 says, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Don't miss this. Religion sees a group. But Jesus always sees the individual. Religion sees a group. You need to be one of us. But Jesus always sees the individual, which is one of the reasons why we're starting Second Chance Church. It's going to be a church with mess, for messy people, it's going to be an environment where people can walk in as they are. It's going to be an environment where we are serious about sin, we are serious about preaching the gospel. We are serious about preaching the good news, but if somebody takes three steps forward and then they take two steps back, we're still going to celebrate that that's one step forward instead of pointing out why they took two steps back. I think if we would celebrate the progress that people make more instead of pointing out the mistakes that they've made, we would see way more people attracted to the gospel of Jesus. Maybe you're watching today because you feel like other people have given up on you. And you know what? Maybe they have. Maybe other people at some point have given up on you. Maybe a church has given up on you. Maybe you feel like God has given up on you. But I want to say just one more time, it's not a coincidence that you're watching a message, hearing about a God who has never given up on you. Second Chance Church is going to be a church that, listen, we will not give up on you because Jesus hasn't given up on you. But how do we know Jesus is done? He'll come back. Until he comes back, we got a lot of work to do. So if you're watching today online and, and maybe you feel like God's given up on you, I just pray that you'll, you won't give up on him. You won't give up on him. If you're in that emotional, physical, or even spiritual pain, I pray that you'll understand that Jesus might not be doing what you want right now, but maybe he's working you through a process where on the other side, you'll be able to help people that have gone through what you've gone through. And maybe you're here today and you're not even a Christian, and you're not a Christian because you're like, I can't live up to the religious standards. Neither could I. Neither could any of the apostles. Neither could any of the heroes in scripture. That's why we all need Jesus. So if you're watching today and you've never, you've always thought I've never became a Christian because I'm not good enough. Today, maybe you understand you don't have to be good enough because Jesus was good enough. And if we'll ask him into our lives, he will change us from the inside out and make our hearts brand new. So watching, um, no matter where you are, if you're in a house or if you're here in the room or whatever, can we pray together? My head's bowed and eyes closed. And maybe, maybe you're watching today and you feel like that God has given up on you because other people have given up on you. I just want you to pause for a second right now and just thank him that he hasn't given up on you. He hasn't. He hasn't. And if you're here today and you're that person that's never given their life to Christ, I want to invite you to take that step right now. You don't have to be good enough. Jesus is good enough. Right where you're sitting, right where you are, no matter if you're in a living room or a coffee shop or you're driving down the road in a car, you can ask Jesus to come in and take over. You just pray right now. and say, Jesus, You just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus Christ, I confess you are Lord and believe you are God. I ask you to come into my life right now and take over. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I surrender everything to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, before you leave, if you just prayed to receive Christ, would you email me? Prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, at Noble.com? prayer at perrynoble.com or leave me a message on Facebook notifications that you prayed to receive Christ. Last week we had two people receive Christ during the broadcast and we're still excited about that. We're still celebrating that. So if you just prayed or if you've got a prayer request for us here at Second Chance Church, once again, prayer at perrynoble.com Or leave leave it on Facebook notifications. We will get that message. We will be praying for you. um, And we'll do anything we can to encourage you. And once again, I want to say thank you for those of you that have been so faithful in giving to Second Chance Church. You can give to Second Chance Church by going to www.mysecondchancechurch.com. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner. You can click on that, and it's so easy to give. We are able to extend our digital platform because you guys have been given so faithfully. So thank you, and don't miss next week, part three of Losing My Religion.